なろうなろうな嫌ないよやいやおいでにくまいばいわなかなたとるなお The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Thanks for being with us here today on Radio Taiwan International for today's English language feature programs. Coming up ahead this hour, we'll have Chinese Culture 101 with Paula Chow and Jukebox Republic. Shirley Lin will be bringing us another 20 minutes of popular music, but we're going to get the week underway with Here in Taiwan. Welcome to Here in Taiwan. It's Monday, December the 10th, 2018. I'm Charlie Storer, sitting in the host chair today. I'm joined in the studio by Paula Chow. Hello. Hi, Paula. And Jake Chen Hi, is、Charlie. with us as well. Hi to you, Jake. Well, today, among other stories, we've got、uh, Taiwanese American actress Constance Wu has got a Golden Globe nod for her role in the movie Crazy Rich Asians, which is exciting. But the film Has kind of been a flop in China. We'll be finding out why that might be.、Uh, we'll be talking about a new 3D virtual reality experience that lets you explore what Taiwan's future offshore wind farms will look like. And we'll also be talking about post the、uh, elections, after the、uh, November local elections, what have politicians been doing, both those who won and those who lost. Those stories coming right up. Okay, Paul, I'm going to、uh, turn over to you first.、Uh, we'll get the uh, election uh, business out of the way first. So, we had the local elections、uh, at the end of November for uh, city uh, mayors and county magistrates all around the country. There were some surprise winners and some surprise losers. Well, you've got a story here about what. Uh, politicians have been doing since then because if you won, they haven't taken up their post yet. I think they'll take up the post like at the start of next year. So they've got a little, they've got about a month to, to do some other stuff. And I suppose for the ones who lost, they've been probably doing some reflection or maybe spending time on the golf course. Well, you, you tell us more. Okay,、um, one loser is、uh, the DPP's candidate for Kaohsiung for the southern city,、um, Chen Ximai. He actually、um, held a concert on. He actually held a concert on Saturday, and then actually、uh, 7,500、um, people signed up. He was really surprised. So he said he wanted to,、um, you know,、um, to, help, to hold the concert, and he also、uh, wanted to console his、um, supporters. He promised to treat them with、um, coffee.、Mm. That's, what, um, that's what he did.、Um, That's what he did on Saturday. Coffee and sympathy. So, of course, he、yes. was the one who lost out.、Um, a little bit surprisingly, to sort of the insurgent candidate Han Guo Yu, who was sort of like the, the, uh, uh, the, 
the rebel, the the, the new guy, the internet of, celebrity, right. of, the internet of the celebrity mm-hmm. with his with his rap videos and yeah. and whatever. Because that was a city that had been held by the Democratic Progressive Party's uh, mayors for twenty years, I think. So it was uh, so a, a little bit of a surprise and an upset there, right? So, but that's we just mentioned that that uh, loser story. And there is a winner, and he is Taipei Mayor Cohen too. Oh. he got reelected. Can't wait to hear from reelected right. very narrowly though, because it was a three way three way race, right? And he very narrowly won re-election. And right. I think just a. Um, I don't mean to, to throw a wet blanket, but I think the vote recount for the election is currently underway as we speak. So, I mean, uh, I don't have a dog in this race, uh, obviously, but uh, we don't really know uh, whether he actually is going to stay in the office. Well, he's Taipei mayor as, as of as, time. As of <laughs> time right. I think he will. But anyway, um, he has been doing what he has always been doing. Well, mm. he's, you know, that kind of guy. But anyway, last Friday... He was late for work because usually um, he goes to the office at 7.30 a.m., right, shop. And he was five minutes late. So um, um, several reporters asked him, now, why are you late today? That's quite a surprise. And guess what he said? Well, that's because my wife uh, wasn't at home and nobody prepared my breakfast. In other words, uh, you know, he was late because he went somewhere to get his breakfast. He had to make his own breakfast or make his own breakfast arrangements. Right, that's a typical answer from Taipei Mayor Cohen, but he's just like that. And I also have another story. Well, he's not a loser and nor a winner, but he is our former um, Environmental Protection Administration Minister, um, Li Yingyuan. He stood down, um, you know, following right. the, the elections. Uh, what he, uh, what has he been doing recently? Well, he doesn't have a job right now. He said, well, he spent his time um, climbing mountains. And then he said, well, he's keeping in touch with the ruling DPP, but he's in no hurry to do anything. Mm. So he's like the uh, the scholar officials of, of ancient China, that when they fell out of political favor, they went and lived as hermits in the mountains. And right. Was, <laughs> I'm sure he's writing some poetry, no doubt. Yeah, looking far off in the distance. Okay, a couple of stories here that are featured around a movie that came out a few months ago. Uh, That movie is Crazy Rich Asians, which was uh, quite a big thing uh, in the United States, especially if you were Asian American, because it was like the first movie in first Hollywood movie in forever to have an all Asian cast. And uh, the lead in that was Constance Wu, the Taiwanese American actor who... uh, came to fame with the uh, sitcom uh, Fresh Off the Boat. And now she's been given a Golden Globe Best Lead Actress nomination for her role in the film. She's the first Asian woman, you might be surprised to know this, or maybe not, in 44 years to be named in the category. Wow, who was the one that came before her 44 years ago? 44 years ago, it was Yvonne Elliman who scored a nomination for her role in Jesus Christ Superstar. That was in 1974. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a super legitimate yeah, movie, but a, okay. Oh, it was, big, it was a big thing in its day. Yes, yeah, so big, uh, big musical, big uh, uh, Broadway musical. Okay. Uh, so uh, this Hollywood film, the first in 25 years to feature an all-Asian cast, uh, the last one being the Joy Luck Club, oh. um, also won a nomination for Best Film, Musical or 
comedy. And so Constance Wu, very, very happy, ecstatic, but also in shock, she says. Uh, said she didn't think that she would be nominated. She'd never seen it happen to an Asian-American woman before. Uh, the author of the book, Crazy Rich Asians, that the movie was based on, Kevin Kwan, uh, he's uh, also congratulated Wu and the cast on the historic nomination. The movie's about uh, an Asian-American woman who gets a culture shock when she meets her boyfriend's ultra-wealthy family in Singapore. Have you seen the movie, either of you? No. Nope. I, I haven't myself, but it was, it was, it was kind of big news when it, it came out a, a few months ago. Pretty, pretty big news, and I think financially was a relatively a pretty big success as well. Very much so, yes. Right. It's so far made 240 million US dollars worldwide, which for a, uh, a rom-com is well, it's a pretty uh, high. Yeah, it's very, very high indeed. Yes, I, I do. And I, and I seriously hope I'm wrong here. I do have my reservations. You know, I, I don't uh, want the film to sort of portray Asians in a, in a one dimension kind of way. You know, I think in, in the 70s and 80s, and this happens for the African-American community, they finally burst onto the stage in terms of entertainment. But the vast majority of the movies about them was about their struggles and not about everyday lives and stuff. And I sort of don't hope that to be the case. And so there are s- racial stereotypes, you feel, that are associated with those kind of movies. Even after they went mainstream. like uh, That's mm. what I've seen for, for that community. And I, I haven't seen the movie yet. Like I said, I hope I'm wrong. Well, it's interesting you say that because the film has just opened in China uh, and it's been very underwhelming over there. It's, uh, in, it's only made one million US dollars in its first three days compared to that 240 million, as we said, that, that had taken worldwide and also came under quite a lot of criticism. Like, peop- um, like people were saying some responses have been that they felt that this was sort of there were cliches in it, this sort of portrayal of, of an Asian family. This was very a westernized portrayal, even some saying it was like a, a white uh, comedy Washed? that okay. just happened mm. to have a, uh, an, an Asian cast, cast in it. Okay. Um, uh, and what it seems to sort of bring out is that whereas in the West or in English-speaking countries, to have a, a film with an all-Asian cast, that's, that's something that's very rare. It's an novelty, in, yeah. in China... Well, they say, well, we have our own rom-coms. You know, we've got domestic rom-coms. You know, we're not we're used to seeing an all Chinese <laughs> cast. It's not right. a big deal. We see 80% it, of the we time, see it right. uh, all the time. Um, moreover, some people say, well, you know, this portrayal of, let's say, Asian families and and, uh, and family relationships. And oh, oh, look, here's the bossy, domineering mother and, oh, and what yeah, have you. And so these are kind of these are these are cliches, and we see them played out in TV dramas all the time these you know these are it's played out right (laughs) it's nothing new to us they're not seeing anything sort of new or anything particularly sort of inspirational and so they're well what's what's everyone in america getting so i think that the the it this is an asian american movie i think in that sense right i think it it has uh, undeniably its significance on on the american entertainment landscape and i'm regardless of how it shows i'm happy for a movie like that to have box office success because the door that it might open for other asian and other minority entertainers is immense the opportunities that it might bring but i think the other side of the argument might make sense as well like in a market where you have mostly movies like that and you mm. don't really stand out, you know, so yeah. that's why it probably didn't do so well. Another thing that uh, a BBC report flags up is that the ostentatious wealth displayed in Crazy Rich Asians, because they're like really rich 
people from Singapore and they've got they throw huge parties on yachts and that sort of thing. It says it may have caused a problem at a time when the Chinese film industry is reducing star salaries and probing alleged tax evasion. We've seen a lot of that and we've got sort of the, the Communist Party's sort of drive against uh, ostentatious displays of wealth. So it's its timing is also uh, a bit problematic in that sense. Yeah, I mean the the current, I mean the campaign against uh, highly paid actors that's certainly ongoing. I'm not sure if that opinion is valid though, because if they really don't want to show it, they wouldn't. They would just ban it, you know. But it's they, it's interesting that it got a release. Yes. Yeah. Because so, a lot of Western movies don't. There is a quota system in China for only yeah. a certain number of non-Chinese productions can be released there every every year. Yeah. So if, you know, uh, the government clearly has no issue showing this in the theaters, I don't think that's the case. But uh, um, I think for domestic Chinese to better understand what, what sort of Asian Americans or Asians in elsewhere in the world goes on, this might not be a bad start, you know, despite its limited uh, scope on things. Okay, Jake, over to you. Tell us about a new 3D VR experience that lets you explore what Taiwan's future offshore wind farms might look like. Right, this is quite a novel thing, both the subject matter and the way it is shown. So the uh, Institution of Journalism uh, at the uh, National Taiwan University has worked with a number of technical teams, one of them from HTC, the local uh, consumer electronics manufacturer, to uh, make this 12-minute uh, long, they call it 3D uh, virtual reality VR experience. Um, you know, you had the usual drill of putting on the, 3D, uh, the visual VR glasses, and then uh, you are immersed. Uh, you start the experience inside a wind farm, so you sort of sit uh, standing inside of it, and then you have the option of uh, getting out of it. So you're floating literally in midair, and then you can dive into the water as well. So it's a it's a very three dimensional view uh, um, exploration of of the wind farm, which is uh, I think one of the government's uh, main initiative uh, in building a nuclear free uh, homeland. Although that's been delayed. Um, so yeah, quite a novel thing, um, but not exactly the first effort from HTC, I might add. Because uh, I think a couple of days ago, HTC uh, also was a different. I think it was a Taipei University, Taipei Medical University. They unveiled a three D assisted classroom for uh, doctors that allows students to see inside the human uh, skeleton and can sort of remove different parts and put it back in wow. <laughs> without causing permanent damage. Obviously, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it, I think uh, we're going to see this thing being uh, used in uh, wider fields. Okay, well, that's all we've got time for for today's Here in Taiwan. But don't go away. You'll be hearing from Paula in just a moment once more in Chinese Culture 101. What's on the show today, Paula? Um, everything about pigs in Chinese culture. <laughs> that's coming right up. Then we'll have Jukebox Republic with Shirley Lin bringing us a selection of popular music. We will be back at the end of the hour to bring you one more thing before we sign off for the day. But till then, I'm Charlie Stara. I'm Paula Chow. And I'm Jake Chen. Stay tuned. Chinese Culture 101. There are 12 animals on the Chinese zodiac. Mouse comes first, followed by ox, 
tiger, rabbit, dragon, snake, horse, sheep, monkey, rooster, dog, and pig. In that order, why is the pig the last one? Is it because people find the animal unpleasant? In Chinese mythology, that's because pigs are not fast runners, and they are the last one to report to the summons issued by the Jade Emperor. You're listening to Chinese Culture 101. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. The year of the dog will soon come to an end, and next year will be the year of the pig. Today, we will be taking a brief look at pigs in Chinese culture. Do you know that the Chinese character for home is divided into two parts, and the lower part is actually a word for pigs? Why is that? Also, why did the pig farming industry was cracked down by the royal household during the Ming Dynasty? Did the industry do anything wrong? And who is the most famous pig in Chinese literature? Don't go away. We will find out the answer in today's program. Like other cultures around the world, the pig is probably one of the least favorable animals in Chinese-speaking communities. The animal is considered lazy, stupid, and dirty. We use pig-headed, piggy eyes to describe people we don't like. A recent example happened before the local elections last month. At a small event with about ten or twenty people, opposition KMT leader Wu Dunyi called a female politician, a ruling DPP political heavyweight, a fat sow. Sow means an adult female pig. Wu's remarks were extremely inappropriate and offensive, and he apologized later. But here is another example of the negative image of pigs in our society. Over the past few years, the National Palace Museum in Taipei has published calendars each year according to the lineup on the Chinese zodiac. The museum did horses, sheep, monkeys, roosters, and dogs in previous year, and it's the pig's term next year. However. The museum ignored the tradition completely and published a calendar featuring cats for 2019 instead. Sure, there are lots of cat lovers in Taiwan, including President Tsai Ing-wen, who has a cat called Kuki. Still, that doesn't seem fair to me because cats are not even on the Chinese zodiac. The museum offers two explanations. First, it has quite a few paintings about cats. But there aren't many pieces about pigs. Second, no one likes Zhu Duiyou. Zhu Duiyou is a newly coined term used in Taiwan. When translated into English literally, it means "picky teammates." The term actually refers to coworkers or teammates who are neither responsible nor reliable and who screw things up. Who wants to work with a Zhu Duiyou? No one. Given that the public found the image of pigs unpleasant, the museum has decided to replace pigs with cats. The Chinese history of raising pigs can be traced back to the Neolithic period, and pigsties were built as early as the Shang Dynasty, about 3,000 years ago. The Shang Dynasty is the first recorded dynasty in Chinese history. In ancient times. Because of low levels of productivity, pigs were actually crucial to the survival of mankind. And take the Chinese character for jia 
or home as an example. The character is a pictograph and it is divided into two parts. The upper part looks like a roof, which indicates a house or a building. And the lower part is actually another Chinese character for pigs. In other words, the so called home for our ancestors is a place where pigs were raised. Throughout Chinese history, pigs have been made a scapegoat for almost everything. One notable example happened during the Ming Dynasty, which is from the 14th to the 17th century. During the Ming Dynasty, there was a crackdown on the pig farming industry for a short period of time. Did pig farmers do anything illegal to incur the wrath of the royal household? Not at all. They were subject to unfair treatment simply because the pronunciation of the Chinese word for pigs, which is zhu, is exactly the same as the pronunciation for the surname of Ming Dynasty emperors, which is also pronounced zhu. And finally, who is the most popular pig in Chinese literature? The answer is Zhu Bajie, a character in the novel called Journey to the West. Next week, we will find out more about him. And that's all we have for this week's edition of Chinese Culture 101. I hope you have enjoyed listening to our show today. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Just tune into Jubas Republic. I'm Shirley Lin at Radio Taiwan International. So, a young woman just recently released her debut album, and that person is Vera Yin. She started off as an actress, though, from TV to movies. I'll also be playing from Crowd Lose EP. There is a connection between the two of them, and I'll tell you later what it is. I can't wait to hear Vera singing. Let's hear more of it. The song is called It's Time to Tell You.
That was Vera Yen with the song, It's Time to Tell You. You're listening to Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. Uh, you know, this is actually translated from the Chinese, Gao Bai. Um, when, you know, uh, someone, when, when you like somebody, you, you say you want to Gao Bai. You want to tell them directly that you like them. Yeah, so it's a very common thing to say in in Taiwan, in Chinese. Anyway, Vera Yen starred in a very popular TV drama series called A Boy Named Flora A. Yeah, I know it's a ridiculous name, Flora A. In Chinese, uh, it reads Hua Jia, Nan Hai Zuan Da Ren, where Hua Jia stands for the main character's name, and Hua stands for flower or flora, and Jia means A, like, you know, A plus or A minus, anyway, A, like acing a test. So the whole Chinese name translates into Flora A turns from boy to adult. I never saw, uh, you know, the TV version or the movie version that came out later, which had a different name, one that's more decent called Back to the Good Times. The main male character, Flora A, in both the TV version and the movie version were played by, of all people, Crowd Lu a Taiwanese singer-songwriter whom I've introduced more than once before and who has won many awards for his music. It was his first time acting, though, and he was actually very, very good, like a natural. So the TV version story is a heartwarming one about family, about a family that has lots of issues financially, emotionally, and physically, about a boy growing into an adult. There is a lot of humor in the story, um, because, you know, Flora A has a lot of humorous family members. Anyway, the TV series got four wins and seven nominations at the Golden Bell Awards for TV here in Taiwan. There's also a Golden Bell Awards for radio. So RTI, you know, has won quite a few uh, awards at that. Anyway, for many years. Um, Vera Yen who played uh, Flora A's girlfriend, was nominated for Best Leading Female Role, while Crowd, Lou, won Best Newcomer and Best Leading Male Role at the Golden Bell this year for the TV series. Vera is actually also a pretty good actress herself. She can cry whenever a scene calls for tears, like in, in the music video that she did for It's Time to Tell You. So let's listen to a couple more songs by Vera before I go on to talk about the movie version, Back to the Good Times. The first one I'm going to play is Mist, and then the second one after that will be Dear You by Vera Yen. Yen Zhenlan. <laughs> Lan. 
不算浪费时光。你给过我的其实不少，如果能隔着不管就没有烦恼。然后呢，也不算割舍不了。
Well, Vera Yen certainly likes uh, slow, soft songs. All right, moving along, uh, we're going to talk about the movie version, uh, even though it's named Back to the Good Times. The Chinese name translates into Flora A turns from an adult back to being a boy. The movie story is about how Flora A returns home after serving in the army. Now, it's compulsory military service for every Taiwanese man. So what's the first thing a man does after he gets freedom? He went and got drunk, went to see his girlfriend, and then got in bed with her. Only that her parents showed up the next morning, and the mom and dad freaked out. The girlfriend's parents got mad and confronted with Flora A's parents, and the whole thing turned into a big mess. Flora A tried to get help from his family members and relatives, but they only made matters worse. In the midst of it all, Flora A just couldn't stand it anymore and went hiding in the closet that he had when he was a child. Only right that moment, an earthquake started. Earthquake, yeah, started. so it started shaking. And lo and behold, Flora A went through a time machine of sort and found himself back in 2003 when we had the SARS epidemic in Taiwan. I mean, for real. Yeah. So it's kind of bizarre, right? So like the title, Flora A turned from an adult back to being a child. So it's a fictitious story all along. And Flora A went back in time. Okay, so I'm going to close out today's show with Crowd Lose EP. The song is Natural High. 天然的最好, well, which actually translates into natural is the best. Remember I said that Crowd Lu has a way with writing really simple lyrics? Likewise in this song. The first two lines go, Just seeing you makes me happy. You make me feel like I'm flying and I'm well again. Something like that. And then it goes on to say, um, there are so many cars on the road, but we just have a bicycle between us. You use your feet to paddle on the bike. I love you so naturally, so naturally like a day in the countryside of Tainan. There's another part to this song that says, so many bad people on the internet. All we need now is a rock and roll concert. All right, that's enough of my translation. Thank you so much for joining me on Jukebox Republic. I'm Shirley Lin. And here's a song, Natural High by Crowd Lu.
在听谁说谁的坏话。网路上的坏人那么多，哦哦哦哦哦，我们需要一场 rock and roll， rock and roll 就要 rock and roll， 我们都爱得很自由，自由就像来自江南平原的夏天，夏天的你，夏天的我，是不是忙碌？生活好空洞，受伤的心把刺苦当享受，我们是天然的天然，最好，最好，啊，最好。Thanks for listening to our programs here today on Radio Taiwan International. Don't forget, you can email us. The address is rti at rti.org.tw with any questions or comments you may have about any of our programs. Well, I'm Charlie Starr, back in the studio with Paula Chow and Jake Chen, and we're going to leave you with one more thing. Jake, over to you. What have you got for us? Right.、Uh, this is our latest finding、uh, or uncertainty in our findings、uh, related to our health. Now,、uh, sitting while working, this has been a topic forever, or at least in the last ten or twenty years, since people are sitting more and more. And、uh, its、uh, damage to our health is pretty evident.、Uh, the New York Times has collected research from、uh, many universities and, and health institutions and journals, and it proves that、uh, those who sit for more than twelve hours、uh, a day. Um, within seven years, their、uh, mortality rate is、uh, significantly higher than those who sit for less than five hours a day. So,、um, I think、uh, a, a lot of people believe that the cure for all this is、uh, standing well,、uh, working, or、uh, walking while working. This seems to be the new trend here. As I, I think I've seen a lot of those、um, Silicon Valley tech companies having those elevated desks where people just、uh, stand there and and just work on their their, their fancy computers.、Mm. Um, yes, we associate it with that, don't we? With 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 tech people. Yeah. With probably yeah. If, if you if you've got a standing workstation, you probably have at least two screens going on. Right. And you're probably wearing a, a, a smartwatches, having three smartphones with you, twenty four seven, like you're one of the connected people. But uh, surprisingly, uh, this doesn't actually work.、Uh, Uh, as people、uh, believe it does, so some of the research have shown that、uh, those who stand or sit for more than six hours a day are up to three times more likely to develop、uh, varicose vein. So this is sort of the veins in、right. your, your lower extremities,、uh, you know, getting getting different shapes that they're not supposed to. And then it also increases. This is really surprising to me.、Uh, the chances of cardiovascular diseases and heart failure. I thought some moderate exercise was supposed to be good. <laughs> so, in other words, we can't win. It's just another of those things. If it, do you want it? Do you want a curved spine, or do you want vascular disease? <laughs> Which right, would you pick, rather have? You pick take one. Pick. Right.、Um, they, th- this is、uh, sort of a very recent finding, so the medical experts haven't come to a, a uniform conclusion as of yet. But many、um, have found out that. Um, people mistakenly believe walking is enough for exercise. I'm one of those people, by the way. And、uh, 
Apparently, no. Um, they believe the actual effective exercise for your body are the kind of exercises that get your heart rate up. Right, right. And unfortunately, walking doesn't uh, qualify as one of those. Yes, I mean, it's, it's good. It has its benefits, but it's not really a sort of a cardio activity, is it? It doesn't really get your heart going. Right. So I guess this might be one of the reasons that it doesn't really exercise your heart. And <laughs> since you've been standing for too long, it messes up your veins. Oh, this is... Uh, I'm not sure how to how to take this. This yeah. is rather depressing. I used to work in an office where I was copy editor for a, a newspaper here, and so, certain of my colleagues they used to they would sit for the morning, and then in the afternoon after lunch they would come back and they would rearrange their desks. They would pop their computer monitor up on a, a little table, and they would do their afternoons work standing up. Did you notice a sudden increase in productivity or quality of their work? Uh, I did not. No, no. As their supervisor, I mean, they were they were still getting it done, and they were still getting it done to uh, as as good a standard as as they were before. No, no, I didn't. I didn't notice any benefits on the quality of the work itself. But the thing was, the joke was, because we were doing news, usually about China, and so lots of news about like, the Communist Party, or whatever. So we used to those. Uh, so those colleagues, we used to call them the standing committee. Okay. When, they, when we came back from lunch, it's all oh, the standing committees uh, back to work. Right. Well, that's all the time we've got for today's programs. Thank you so much for being with us. Do join us again tomorrow. Our programs will include Book of Odes, Status Update, and another edition of Here in Taiwan. But for today, on behalf of all of us here at Radio Taiwan International, I'm Charlie Starrer, signing off for now. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.